So last week, um, we had an Eeyore-type passage, right, that Christy went over with a Tigger-type speaker. (laughs) And this week, we have a Tigger-type passage with an Eeyore-type speaker, okay? And so, with that, Eeyore needs to pray. All right. Let's pray and start out our time. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for this time to sit in your presence, Lord. We know you're with us always, but as we gather together, help us to leave our scattered thoughts and um, chaotic lives and all the things that can pull us down. Help us to leave that, Lord, and just to be able to focus on you and what your word has to teach us this morning. We thank you that you are everything in our life and that you lead and you guide and you're the one that gives joy and love and peace. And so I just ask you to go before us um, as we look into your word, Lord. Help calm my heart and my soul and give me the words that you want me to speak this morning. We love you. Jesus' name, amen. So one morning somewhere in the last couple weeks when I was studying, I began to like visualize each of your faces and just that each one of us, everybody here in the room, is taking home the same passage, reading the same scriptures, and over and over all week. We're all looking at the same passages together, and that was just really cool. But then I got thinking, you know what? God is highlighting certain things for me. Is there some way I can put this where when I turn my head it doesn't go out? It's not? Okay. Sorry for all you listening on the podcast. (laughs) Okay. Um, But back to um, certain things were highlighted to me. Certain things stood out to me. And I got thinking, you know what? Other things are probably going to stand out to some of you in a different way. Because we all come to our reading with viewing it through the lens of our lives, right? What has gone on in our life? What is going on in our life? Um, And I'll go into that a little bit more in a little bit. But first I want to start out just with a recap of where we're at. Because if I jumped right into the scripture that we had today, and you had not read anything else, but I know you all have. But if we hadn't, we'd be lost. So I just want to catch us up again to uh, the portion of scripture we're in today. And... We all know Paul is writing this to the saints at Colossae. So they were believers meeting together, somewhat like we are here. And this is what Paul has said so far about them. The people are doing good. The good news is changing lives. They're walking in the love that the Holy Spirit has given them for others. They're following Jesus, and they're growing to know him better and better. But there's a threat against the gospel. And so Paul wants the church to know who Jesus is and that Jesus is absolutely everything. 
He's the invisible. He's the visible image of the invisible God. He's the Alpha and the Omega and everything in between. Everything was created by him and for him. And in him, all things are held together. Have you ever wondered who you are or why you were created? What is your purpose? Well, there's your answer. You are dearly loved and valued because you're created by Jesus for Jesus. You are a precious creation created by Almighty God. That's who you are. That's your identity in Christ. And you're created to be in relationship with God. So our purpose is to know God, to love God, to worship God, and to honor God. It's all about Jesus. He created everything. All authority is his. There is nothing that exists without Jesus. He's before everything, and he holds everything together. He created us, and through every season, every storm, every trial that we go through, he will be there holding us together. He reigns supreme. He rescued us from the darkness, purchased our freedom, and forgave our sin. And now we're brought into his presence, holy and blameless. I'm going to get emotional. I knew I was going to. <clears throat> and now he, Jesus, lives in us. And that's the mystery that Paul was revealing to the church there. Christ now lives in us. That changes everything. It's not Jesus in me. It's Jesus in me. And that's our hope. That's our hope for today, and it's our, our hope of glory. So, Paul says, just as you accepted Christ, continue in him. Grow your roots deep in him. Build your life on him. Be strengthened in him. Jesus is in us, changing everything. I stole this from Louis Giglio. It's an amazing uh, sermon that he spoke, and he kept saying this phrase over and over, Jesus is everything, and everything Jesus is, is in me. Mind-blowing. I mean, you could sit there and think, think about that forever. I've been thinking about it for quite some time. So it's not just Jesus is my way to salvation, although he is that. It's Jesus in me doing a complete renovation and a total life makeover in me. He touches every single part of our life, and his plan is to change everything, to change how we think and how we act, to change the patterns of our minds, the way we think and our habits, to change our behavior and how we do life. Christy went over that a little bit last week, uh, Tigger. He wants to t transform all that human, um, old self behavior into a Jesus-filled behavior. He wants to change our normal human thinking 
to I'm in Christ and Christ is in me thinking. Wow, that would change some things. So put to death the old self and put on the new self. Christy went over that. And how do we do that? By every day renewing our mind by the word to who Jesus says I am. Not who I say I am. Not who you say I am. But to to who Jesus, through his word, says that I am. Because Christ is in me and I'm in him. I'm renewing my mind daily to the reality of who I am in Christ. We have this brand new identity in Christ. And we read about it in Colossians 3, verse 12. Holy and dearly loved. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. The idea of putting on here is like a cloak or clothing yourself with these traits, we can become so immersed in Jesus and so focused on him that we resemble him in our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Because you see, our life is hidden in Christ. I in him and Jesus in me, so woven together. Put on, then, compassionate hearts and kindness. Compassionate hearts, I think it's the King James Version only, that says bowels of mercies. That's an ongoing, deep, tender sensitivity. Um, Kind of like when you say, I feel it in the pit of my stomach. It's that deep um, compassion. And who do we think of when we think of this trait? Jesus. Okay, you can say it out loud. And where, it, and where is Jesus? In us, in me. You're right. Oh, you guys got it. And he's changing our hearts from a heart of stone to one of compassion and kindness because he is compassion and he is kindness. It goes on to say, put on then humility. An interesting note here that I read in a commentary uh, said that John Wesley observed that neither the Romans nor the Greeks had a word for humility. The very concept was so foreign and abhorrent to them, uh, to their way of thinking, that they had no term to describe it. I find that interesting. So humility is a, th- is a tough thing even for us to understand, right? And for sure, even tougher to put on. But humility is something that our own self will probably never put on. But here again, who do we think of when we think of humility? And where is Jesus? In us. Changing everything. Put on then meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Remember, Paul is talking to a group of people on how to get along with one another. Um, Forgiveness is a tough subject. And when God, this is one of the things that highlighted for me, was highlighted for me. When God first opened my eyes to these scriptures, it was through the lens of a 30-ish year old woman suffering with depression 
as the realities of my childhood came crashing down around me. A childhood of abandonment, abuse, distrust, unresolved pain, and that led to feelings of unworth, of shame, bitterness, and resentment. So one day, curled up in a ball of misery, unable to pray or even read scripture, the pain was so deep and the darkness so dark. I made one final attempt to cry out to God. And I had been trying to read this devotional that had been on my lap and wasn't getting anywhere. And I cried out to God, and I just kind of dropped the book open. And this is what I saw. Forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. And it hit, hit me. I was the one hurt, but it hit me so like, I don't know, cold water in the face that that was the answer, not to be curled up in misery, um, but to forgive so that I could go on living. I had been held captive by the resentment buried deep in my hurting heart. And this is what I learned. I learned that forgiveness is not an optional part of the Christian life. If we're going to follow Jesus, we have to forgive. We have to forgive as God forgave us freely, completely, graciously, and totally. Genuine forgiveness is the key that will set the captive free. And we're that captive. If we are anyway walking in unforgiveness or resentment or bitterness, we're the one in chains. Forgiveness is the only way to truly handle anger and bitterness. In Luke 23, 34, Jesus says, he's on the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. So who modeled forgiveness for us? Jesus. Where is he? In us. He's in us, changing everything. I do want to, before I get off this, this part of it, address a couple of myths about forgiveness because I think these did get in the way of me forgiving sooner um, because I didn't really understand what forgiveness was totally. Forgiveness is not forgetting. I was raised for, with that terminology, forgive and forget, and it was always quite confusing to me having been hurt. Um, that is not forgiveness. God doesn't forgive. Now, I know there's scripture on God, you know, not remembering our sin no more. That's a choice of God's. If God forgot, he would not be God. Um, so he chooses not to forget or not to remember our sin. But we as human beings, when we have been hurt, uh, we don't forget. And it's very misleading to, to think that um, and can kind of throw us off emotionally if we don't understand that. It's simply psychologically impossible to forget pain that you've endured. With time, yes, it lessens, um, but, it, but it's there. Um, forgiving someone does not mean you no longer feel the pain of the offense. So in most cases, the only time that you stop hurting is to stop feeling, right? And the only way you can stop feeling is to die emotionally, and that is not healthy. 
So with time, the pain will lessen, um, but it still can be triggered. And so if you're living under that false um, belief that you shouldn't feel the pain anymore, it's going to be confusing to you, and you're going to have a hard time forgiving. Forgiveness does not mean that you deny that a sin was committed. That was a tough one for me because I felt like if I forgave, I was saying it was okay what the uh, perpetrator did, you know? And it, it's not saying that. It simply means that we determine in our heart to let God be the judge and to let God take care of what that person, um, the dealing, how God's going to deal with that person, um, the offender. But we have the freedom to go on living. So it doesn't mean that there was not a sin committed. What it means is, I'm going to let that go so I can go on and live in freedom. Uh, Forgiveness does not mean that you make it easy for the offender to hurt you again. So there's all different kinds of hurts out there, but there are hurts that you have to set boundaries for. You can forgive, but the boundaries must be set. And forgiveness does not mean that you become a passive uh, and helpless doormat for someone to hurt again and again. So I just wanted to say that because I think in some cases that might help us to forgive in a little better way if we understand truly what forgiveness is. So let me read it one more time. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Who is love? Where is he? Yes. Changing everything. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In other words, if you see that Jesus is everything, and you see that everything Jesus is, is in you, then with everything you've got, and all that you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God. Jesus says, I want to change everything. All that attitude stuff that we've been talking about, he says, I want to change that. Your depression, I'm going to change it. Your anxiety, I'm going to change that. How? Well, be thankful. Let Christ dwell in you. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness. Jesus is everything. And everything Jesus is, is in us. He alone is worthy of our praise. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to have Jalise come up and um, lead us in worship. And as she's coming up, I'm going to... Uh, read a psalm that I just think is so um, 
apropos for thinking of Jesus and, and him being worthy of all of our praise. And just to help us really focus on our time of worship. So there again, he asks us to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude to him. And where is he? Changing everything so he can even change the way that we worship. Um, He can call us to a different place, even in our worship. So let's think about that as Jalise leads us and talk about thankfulness. I thought about that because I changed it up on on Jalise, and she's so gracious. She's going to hate that I'm saying this, but she's so gracious, always being flexible with us. But every week she leads us in worship. This is what she does. She's encouraging us in psalms and hymns and helping us to center our hearts on the Lord. So thank you for that, my friend. Um, Psalms 145, I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness.